Latvia Weekly, your independent guide to the news in Latvia, with your hosts Otto Tabuns and Joe Horgan. Latvian Museum, welcome to episode number 186 of the Latvia Weekly podcast. I am Joe Horgan, who is joined in person by Otto Tabuns, my good friend and colleague, for the last time for a while because of a reason that we will mention at the end of the show. But before we begin our review of the news of the most important things that have happened here in Latvia, as we do every single week, how are you today, Otto? Oh, I'm enjoying the sunny day that we are having in Yalgava, so it is a nice change. It is quite cold still, but I hope that it will not be the case for very long now. Well, the weather depends heavily on the time of our Latvian Word of the Week. Every single week we have a Latvian Word of the Week that has something to do with one of our major stories, and auto one of the most difficult things is that I always want to try to pick a word that's not just related to one of our stories, but one that we haven't done yet before. I do not believe that we have done the word gods before, Otto. Can you explain what the word gods means? So, gods is a year. Exactly. And the reason why we are talking about the word gods this week is because it has been one year since the full-scale invasion of Ukraine the unprovoked and illegal full-scale invasion of Ukraine by its neighbor Russia, which we have been talking about a lot on this show, specifically in the context of Latvia's reaction to it. And speaking of Latvia's reaction to it, so the year was commemorated by kind of two major events and many smaller events throughout the country. One was a major event on Friday that was a large rally outside of the Russian embassy Um, in uh, um, Riga and also at the Freedom Monument as well. So uh, there there were a a lot of um, events throughout the the city, but uh, specifically um, at the Freedom Monument, there was uh, kind of the biggest uh, gathering, uh, up to several thousand people, people uh, with uh, Ukrainian flags, people uh, with different signs as well. And then specifically outside of the uh, Russian embassy in a building on the other side of the road, which Otto and I have discussed before, in different contexts, uh, there was a large concert at Kongressenam. So that was from 12 o'clock until 5 o'clock in the afternoon. And I was very impressed by how many people were there, given the fact that it was very, very cold. I was watching the concert from the uh, comfort of my home via the uh, Latvian public media live stream because it was very, very cold outside and um, I had a lot of work to do at the same time. But uh, Otto, you know, certainly uh, I think um, it's very important to note as well that over 300,000 euros were raised, uh, 385,000 euros to be precise, uh, were raised by this concert. And there was also a news report that over the course of the year, that an average of 100,000 euros per day has been donated to Ukraine. And that's not by the government, that's by private individuals and businesses. So, Those were some kind of major takeaways from how Latvia commemorated this first year in Ukraine. But I want to hear your thoughts, Otto, on, you know, also, you know, you you helped participate in an event to to also, um, you know, uh, commemorate the year of uh, the full-scale invasion here at our school. That's right. Um, I had the honor to speak on behalf of the Baltic Security Foundation uh, to um, a group of uh, high school students in an event organized by the uh, local uh, European Parliament uh, ambassadors, so students who would uh, help to uh, discuss and promote different European values and aspects. And of course, we uh, talked about uh, the situation which uh, affects um, us in Europe uh, very strongly. And um, it was... um, 
I think very uh, notable to see similar activities taking place in other education institutions, universities, and uh, this major event and all the uh, smaller events such as ours. Uh, I think it is an indication uh, that uh, our society still strongly supports uh, the Ukrainian cause, and uh, we are uh, going to do that uh, for a long time, or uh, at least. As it stands at the moment, uh, it feels um, that uh, we are ready to stand for as long as it will take. And if you would like to uh, help support the Ukrainian cause, uh, then we, we will mention a way at the end of the show that you can definitely um, do that in a very specific way. But Otto, all of this situation in Ukraine and in the region has certainly drawn a lot more attention than usual to the defense, uh, to the field of defense. And, you know, certainly the, the Minister of Defense has become one of the, I guess, <coughs> most, in, uh, you know, invited per people to uh, interview shows and, you know, certainly somebody who society wants to hear a lot from. Now, the current Minister of Defense is someone that we've talked about a lot, you know, since the beginning of the show, because that is uh, Irina, sorry, Irina Mornyet uh, Inara, I'm sorry, Inara Mornietse, who previously was the Speaker of Saima, the Speaker of Latvian Parliament. And uh, she was on one of these shows recently to not only discuss the situation, you know, uh, with uh, Latvia's defense and uh, what the country's been doing, but also to be a little bit critical of her predecessor, Mr. Atis Pabriks, who we have talked about also quite a bit on this show before. This specific criticism had to do with uh, procurement that was made during his time as the uh, Minister of Defense, and uh, apparently now she is asking for clarification and uh, ordering an audit into a $220 million procurement, which was won by this uh, small company called Zitari um, ZL for um, different um, uh, food uh, purchases and uh, seemed a bit irregular. So, Otto, um, I was interested in hearing your take on this because do you think that this is a kind of a one-off maybe situation or the fact that she would, you know, go on to a Latvian public radio, you know, uh, show and, and discuss the situation might indicate the fact that there are fears that this is, you know, might be a little bit more of a wise, widespread situation than we would certainly hope for. Uh, on the one hand, I think uh, we have to understand that uh, it is... Uh, to some extent a political issue because uh, the current and the uh, previous Minister of uh, Defense uh, would not share uh, the same political platform. Um, also, it is important to note uh, the international context where a similar issue of questioning whether um, the fruit, food procurements have been done appropriately, uh, the questions were raised in Ukraine uh, for a similar issue. Uh, in this case, the points uh, that were noted by Mornet uh, were uh, the allegation that a member of the minister's uh, office, um, a political uh, appointee, uh, had uh, some role uh, in the procurement um, process uh, which may not have been appropriate uh, or legal. So that is under investigation. Uh, the other aspect is uh, that uh, the company uh, that won the procurement in question, uh, apparently the owners or the beneficiaries of uh, this company uh, had uh, donated money to the party of the previous uh, Minister of Defense. So it could also be a question of whether uh, there are any risks of uh, undue influence or uh, corruption, uh, or perhaps um, this um, 
uh, alleged um, uh, agreement uh, to make such a donation uh, was um, a factor in deciding who would get this procurement uh, of uh, this very uh, large amount of money. And I think, you know, also, Otto, when you discuss the political aspect of this, I think that Atis Pabrix has become a little bit of a political punching bag in the last couple of months, especially by former colleagues who have made, uh, I don't know, implied or maybe direct uh, criticism about the fact that maybe the reason why the, the party Atisi by Par was not able to make it into the uh, current Saima might have been uh, related to uh, specifically him and you know some of his tactics. So do you, do you think that this also might be kind of a, a way of also um, piling on that as well? Certainly it could be, because as we recall, the political um, election campaign uh, for uh, Development 4 uh, was strongly centered on uh, the person of Mr. Pabrix and uh, what he could do if he would become the prime minister, um, which he ought to be, at least in his own view. Uh, So certainly uh, it is um, a point uh, that at least to an extent I could share. Well, one colleague uh, in the um, Saima of uh, those who were elected into parliament, uh, one person who was elected into parliament uh, and specifically potentially on a CV that was embellished, not quite to the same uh, degree as one Mr. Uh, George Santos in the United States. But uh, so we've been talking about Gloria Glevtsova over the last couple of weeks, and there was a decision just last Thursday that she will be excluded from six uh, sittings of parliament as basically, I, I don't know, Otto, would you call this like a censure? Because th- that might be the term that we would use, uh, you know, in the American context. Uh, that's right, because here we are not talking about anything that the judicial branch of the Latin government would decide. So this is uh, not a decision or, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, ancillary decision uh, of uh, the court with regard to the criminal proceeding that we discussed. Here it is uh, this internal decision of the parliament and uh, um, the committee on ethics, which would be the one um, uh, that is uh, responsible on it. So the uh, committee on uh, mandates, ethics and submissions, to be more precise. And she is going through a criminal process for providing uh, potentially or allegedly uh, providing false information to the Central Election Commission. But this specific decision had to do with a TikTok video that she filmed at the Museum of Occupation, which we discussed previously, in which she made some statements that uh, certainly don't correspond with historical facts, which are generally agreed upon by most of uh, Western society. Anyway, we will definitely keep track of what is going on with uh, her situation when it comes to the other issue. But Otto, uh, last time, or maybe it was two times ago, we discussed a bus cartel, and uh, that was specifically three companies which um, were found to be colluding together uh, in in a way that had been alleged for quite some time, but then you know was found to be you know th- there was objective evidence to co- uh, correlate those suspicions. Well, there are now consequences to those actions, and the Road Transport uh, Directorate has uh, apparently informed the companies that they are going to be terminating their contracts um, that had been uh, connected with the um, regional bus uh, network in. Latvia. So um, apparently there, you know, are specific uh, consequences that these companies are facing. Now, Otto, how do you see this going forward? Because obviously these companies are quite influential, quite powerful, and, uh, you know, certainly connected with, um, you know, some, some people who I do not think are going to take this decision lightly, this termination of um, contracts, which will have to be um, replaced, certainly. 
Um, yes, here I think uh, there would be legal ground to terminate uh, the agreements, uh, and it would be then the question, uh, is there any uh, period of uh, uh, transition so that it would be possible to make a new procurement uh, and uh, make it also uh, practical so that uh, you would not lose the regional bus service as a result. Uh, at the same time, it could be the case that they will update uh, the rules of the next procurement to include this aspect of reputation and uh, the question of whether these um, cartel uh, decisions or antitrust or, or any other uh, decisions have been applied to uh, the companies that would like to participate in the agreement because it is indeed a problem and we can see that as a result of this illegal agreement, uh, the biggest loser was the consumer who used the public uh, transit uh, services. So hopefully this will be uh, the uh, motion for the best. Certainly we can hope so. Well, anyway, Otto, uh, we talked earlier about the defense field, which is kind of the, you know, the hot uh, ministry, I guess, you know, in terms of, um, you know, get, getting invited onto uh, talk shows. Previously, that was the health ministry, obviously, because of the COVID-19 pandemic. And, you know, there were also uh, political, um, you know, re repercussions as well for the people who served in that seat, uh, you know, who are not, not, no longer serving in, um, you know, Latvian uh, national government at the moment. But uh, one thing that was talked about a lot during the kind of height of the COVID pandemic was the the percentage of people who are vaccinated in Latvia, there was a basically desired public vaccination rate that was at 70%. And apparently, uh, the um, uh, government said that at the beginning of January, that number of people who have gotten at least one vaccine against COVID-19 uh, is up to 69.2%, which is finally at that level, which uh, is the average, um, uh, we're close to the average rate among the European Union, the average rate uh, among the EU and the European Economic Area apparently is 73%. Uh, that's according to the Ministry of Health. So I guess, um, I don't know, you know, certainly we haven't heard very much talk about COVID lately. Obviously, there are you know, unfortunately, other other things which uh, society is uh, very uh, you know anxious about at the moment. Certainly, it is not a threat that has completely gone away, and you know it, it can still have very serious consequences for people who um, you know need need special treatment. But uh, I guess you know hopefully th that has had a significant impact, certainly on the severity of the disease, the amount of people who have to be hospitalized. Um, so I'm, I'm I'm glad to hear that that number has been reached. And uh, one other thing regarding the vaccine, which was uh, very controversial. For many people, was about the issue of potential side effects. There was a lot of disinformation going around, which Otto and I talked a lot about with our students. You know, in terms of how to evaluate it, in terms of how prevalent or dangerous the side effects were. Of course, there are potential side effects that can happen with any kind of medical treatment. But uh, one thing that was uh, discussed this week in the uh, Latvian news sphere was the fact that uh, the government apparently has uh, compensated for people or is going to compensate for people for vaccine um, side effects who were found to actually have um, severe to moderate uh, health uh, implications as a result of the vaccine, which considering the fact that close to 70% of the Latvian population is vaccinated uh, for people, you know, uh, who who suffered those effects is certainly um, much smaller than the amount of people who unfortunately have passed away or have had long-term health effects from COVID in Latvia. So, uh, you know, that's uh, kind of the latest COVID news, which we haven't talked about in a while. Um, any, any thoughts about kind of these, um, the, the, these uh, recent takeaways, Otto? 
Here I wanted to mention that I'm of course sorry uh, for the four people who had uh, these um, complications associated with the vaccine, but uh, the good news here is that the compensation mechanism works and it is possible to at least partially um, cover uh, those expenses and those inconveniences that are associated with adverse uh, reactions to the vaccine. Yeah, certainly, because... Obviously, there are potential side effects for any kind of treatment that you might get, but the question is always the risks outweighing the benefits, and, you know, that was the main thing. You know, certainly, you have a right to be afraid of the potential, um, you know, vaccine side effects, but given how small the number was that that actually got affected by this compared to the amount of people who, you know, suffered uh, COVID effects, I think, you know, we, we can say that all's relatively well that that, um, that ends well with this um, uh, course of uh, a vaccination, so... Anyway, uh, moving on, there was one very kind of dramatic story um, that unfolded this week on the seas of Latvia, uh, specifically the Bay of Riga. So apparently there was a cargo ship uh, called Escape, which uh, turned out to be very kind of ironically named because the crew had to escape from the escape. And that was because of a fire that broke out uh, over the night between, uh, I believe it was February 21st to February 22nd. And uh, two tugboats had to pull the vessel into the port of Riga with the help of a Coast Guard. But apparently, as far as I have heard, there have not been um, any uh, major injuries from, from this fire. So it seems like the uh, you know Coast Guard did its job very well, um, thanks to thanks to them, and uh, that that, that uh, basically everything happened that needed to happen because you know the Port of Riga is a very very busy port. Accidents do happen, and it and it seems like uh, you know this is a positive resolution um, to the story. Uh, apparently, the uh, ship itself was carrying um, some dangerous uh, chemicals, some polymers, uh, paint materials. Uh, luckily, those did not catch fire, thanks to the you know action of the people who. Um, you know, stop that from from being prevented, and it doesn't seem like there is any kind of uh, danger to the public. So, um, so yeah, uh, that that's um, something I actually didn't really hear that much about. Actually, I guess um, on the news here in uh, Yelgava, but um, you know, I, I don't know. Did did you hear a lot about this uh, being talked about, Otto? You know, kind of um, in, in in your world. Well, it was um, mentioned uh, several times on the national news, on television, and on the radio, uh, because there were uh, these. Mm, concerns that uh, the polymers and the paint uh, which was carried by the cargo could either burn or leak and become a problem for our coastline but uh, thank goodness it has not happened as far as i know and so uh, the most dangerous situation for us uh, has been seemingly averted that's excellent. Well, I'm very glad to hear that. And unfortunately, I, I you know, I, I wish I could watch the national news every single night. You know, unfortunately, my, my children uh, make that a little bit hard because they'd much rather watch other shows. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm mostly kind of listening to the radio on the way to work. And then, of course, you know, reading through the news, um, you know, as much as I can. But I'm, I'm glad, Otto, that, uh, you know, that, that that's something that was uh, discussed and found. So, well, our next story is something that unfortunately... We have to talk about, uh, we have discussed previously uh, Latvia's recognition of the Holocaust, how that is something that has been certainly given more attention in recent years by, um, you know, culture in, in general. And uh, there has been a lot more recognition of the Holocaust, both in both in films and also in public events. Unfortunately, you know, we have discussed previously how there has been vandalism of Holocaust memorials, but the vandalism that happened uh, in the previous week is something a little bit different because apparently people were spray painting the letter Z on these memorials, which is something, is symbol that is... 
um, associated with Russia's aggression in Ukraine with the uh, full-scale invasion of Ukraine. So, Otto, I would assume that authorities would be taking this quite seriously. Yes, they have. Um, the uh, chief of the state police has announced that uh, the perpetrators will be uh, found out uh, and uh, additional um, surveillance will be provided uh, to avoid uh, these uh, provocations, uh, which are certainly an insult to the memory of uh, the Holocaust and uh, its victims, uh, but as well as uh, unacceptable promotion of the uh, Russian aggression. Absolutely. And I just would also like to point out the fact that anybody who is still using the argument that there is some kind of denazification going on with the Russian military, uh, you know, the fact that people are going out of their way to make these kinds of associations, I would say is uh, strong evidence to the contrary, as if there needed to be any more evidence besides just what is perfectly clear and abundant to anyone's five senses. Well, Otto, um, one story which uh, we, we've talked about Leopaya Steelworks in the past and about how there have been many plans to try to revitalize this territory and try to bring jobs back to Leopaya that unfortunately were lost due to the closure of you know something that had been a mainstay of Leopaya's economy. Apparently, the plan now is that this is going to be um, transformed into an industrial park, and it's going to have a uh, new network of, um, of, of streets connecting some different uh, businesses which will be going in there. Uh, according to the you know stakeholders involved with this, they've been saying to the media that there are going to be 500 new jobs created and that there's going to be 20 million euros in investment into uh, these uh, areas and you know specifically into the buildings, but uh, there will also be investment into technology and, and other infrastructure. So you know certainly I think that this is probably you know good news to the people of Leopaya who have been waiting for some kind of resolution to this territory auto, but certainly this is not something that is um, set in stone yet. And when we've heard previous plans for the development of this area, you know ba- based on what you've heard about this possible development, do you think that this uh, has more chance of succeeding than some of the other developments or uh, proposals that have been made? Uh, I think that uh, there is a possibility for this uh, to become a successful initiative because it is also not the first time that it has been done in the city of Leopai. Of course, there are um, several factors that are beyond the reach of either the municipal or national government, as we are a small and open economy and we are affected by uh, the normal economic trends very much, but also the situation, how it is shaped by the war. But uh, hopefully uh, this will uh, be a a better use of the space and the infrastructure and the resources that you would have in that area uh, than uh, the, um, the metal works, uh, which, as we see, uh, was uh, not plausible in the long term. Well, uh, we certainly hope that that will, um, you know, be, be the case for the people who uh, live in Leopaya, that they will, um, you know, have a benefit from Uh, this uh, project going forward, but uh, we will keep an eye on it. But Otto, let's take a look a little bit closer to home because here in Yelgova, the Lilupe River is very important to the city in general, you know, not not just the uh, nature and the economy. And unfortunately, uh, it has uh, come out that the um, State Environmental Service is uh, investigating and um, putting a a case against one company, Lil Mejrotne, who uh, was found to be uh, polluting the river. Apparently, there was a mishap on uh, one farm because this is an agricultural holding company. Apparently, there was a mishap um, with a a cow farm and uh, some wastewater started leaking 
into the river. Um, and uh, apparently also uh, 500 liters of milk was um, found that uh, at least a representative of the company said that uh, could have uh, been released into the water as well. Um, this all came to light after some fishermen started noticing a very strange smell in the milk. So obviously, Otto, this is something that, uh, you know, is not great to hear because of um, how important this river is to Latvia, not just our region of the country, but um, it is good to see that there is action being taken that this isn't something just being swept under the rug as you know we might have seen in you know previous um in environmental cases not you know necessarily in latvia but throughout the world so uh, do you have any comment on uh, this story no i would agree completely uh, with you because uh, similarly as w- with some of the other problems that we would have it is always great to see that there is system in place to deal with them uh should they be big or small and actually that that system works and i think this is another example Example of this that hopefully will uh, prevent uh, the situation from being uh, repeated. Certainly, and uh, although milk might not seem as dangerous as you know polymers that could have been leaked on that ship, uh, that can cause um, you know oxygen to be uh, eaten up in the water, and uh, you know certainly that's that's not great for the uh, animals who live in the in the water. So certainly, let's hope that uh, this kind of incident is prevented in the future. Speaking of water, Otto, of Latvia's beautiful waterways and uh, and coastlines, so there is a um, new regulation which apparently is being passed, which will require at least two pedestrian paths to the sea per kilometer. And I just want to um, point out already how impressed I am. You know, one of my first impressions, you know, when people ask me, you know, what, what were my first impressions of Latvia? I love the fact that the sea is so accessible and not just accessible, but it is also, um, you know, there's basically just an an almost endless, uh, you know, stream of uh, forest, you know, throughout the entire coast of the country with a few exceptions, of course, you know, of port areas or, um, you know, certain um, uh, city or industrial zones, but almost the entire um, seacoast is lined with a beautiful, uh, you know, area of, uh, of trees, of forestry. And, uh, you know, in America, that is certainly not the case at all. In my home state, there's huge arguments over who's allowed to have access to the, you know, sea, who's not allowed. Um, and it is a rarity if there is a public access path um, that you can access for free. So I think this is a great development. Um, how, how do you see this, Otto? Oh, yes. Uh, I would say that also for me, one of the top three things that I love about my country is how accessible and beautiful and primeval or close to that uh, the seaside is. And hopefully I will not see the day that perhaps uh, the um, beaches are privatized or that they are built up uh, similarly to, let's say, some uh, Western European countries. I certainly hope not as well. But Let's uh, finish the domestic stories kind of with a bridge to the international stories. Uh, That is that on the 21st of February, so a law which we were talking about, an amendment was passed that drunk drivers' cars will be confiscated and brought to Ukraine. But that is not the only vehicle which is going to Ukraine. Also, a former uh, van which was owned by the Russian embassy in Latvia is now going to be used in a great fit of uh, wonderful irony by the um, Ukrainian authorities. Uh, And that was something that uh, apparently brought uh, Ukraine's ambassador to Latvia, Oleksandra uh, Mischenko, some great uh, pleasure. And I I do not blame him. So I'm very happy to hear that. Any thoughts on that, Otto? Uh, I can join the sentiment for sure. 
And uh, last uh, domestic story before we jump into international that I wanted to point out, uh, there was a report on the 24th by uh, Latvian Public Broadcasting about Ukrainians um, throughout Latvia who are learning Latvian, even in very remote areas, and are making that effort. I also wanted to point out that Ukrainians are learning English here in Latvia, and we are just about to begin the next phase of classes for the Integration for Ukraine project, which Otto and I started. Uh, we would really love to begin those classes on the 13th of March in just a few weeks from now. But um, thanks to uh, generous donors like you, we are actually able to do that. Uh, we are just 1,000 euros short right now from being able to provide uh, four parallel six-week courses. So that is why we are launching a crowdfunding campaign today. And if you are um, you know, willing to uh, contribute to that, we'd be very, very appreciative of that. The People who have participated in these courses are, are very thankful for the opportunity to do so. And, um, you know, also uh, speaking of the uh, ambassador, you know, of uh, Ukraine to Latvia, he was also very thankful um, as well. Uh, Otto got a chance to meet him and some some course participants as well. So uh, definitely uh, p- please keep an eye on the Latvia Weekly Facebook page and website for that. Otto, uh, let's take a look at some international stories real quick. So first of all, there was a lot of talk about uh, Richard Cole's speech that uh, kind of went viral. Um, He made some uh, very strong comments about uh, Russian aggression. Um, And I I heard a lot of, uh, you know, clips of that on social media. Um, There was a lot of uh, trolls who were supporters of the Russian aggression in Ukraine who, uh, you know, made some rude comments about that, but but they uh, certainly were shouted down by uh, Ukrainian supporters. But uh, any thoughts on this um, speech that he gave at the um, OSCE Parliamentary Assembly? I think here I could mention that it is very good that we would use uh, all the possible formats, uh, including the ones that uh, are shared with Russia, uh, to show our stance on this. And I think this was um, another uh, creative, perhaps, way how to do it. Certainly. Well, also, Otto, you discussed uh, last week about President Biden's visit to Kiev, but that was part of his overall visit to this region, specifically to Poland. And apparently President Levitz uh, also was uh, part of those uh, meetings as well. So uh, something probably you followed. Any any comments on uh, President Levitz's uh, participation in that meeting with uh, Mr. Biden? Uh, I think it is great that they met and that they also show that uh, we have strong solidarity and we are unanimous uh, with regard to our support to Ukraine. I would completely agree. And before we finish, Otto, do you have a quick Latvian week in history to recount? Yes, that's right. And I would like to bring back our listeners uh, to uh, March 5th of uh, 1993, uh, which was the time uh, after we regained our independence when we reintroduced our national currency and the uh, first modern five lat banknotes were emitted uh, for the public uh, by the Bank of Latvia. Wow, I did not know that week in history. So thank you very much, Ara. That was very interesting. Um, real quick, uh, something to do over the next couple of days. So uh, we're recording this on the 1st of March, by the way. But uh, tomorrow, on the 2nd of March, the uh, Art Doc Fest Film Festival will be returning to Riga. So if you are a film buff, you should definitely check that out. There's going to be a special um, interest uh, paid to uh, films that uh, have to do with Ukraine and uh, that is going to take place in some events um, over the next uh, week or so. So definitely, if you're interested in film, you should check out those events that are part of that festival. 
And before we finish, I just want to say a huge thanks to Kian, who is our social media guru, who keeps the Facebook page updated every single day. I want to thank all of our listeners for uh, being with us here today. And Otto, I want to wish you best of luck before you head to Washington, D.C. to speak in front of Congress and moderate some talks as part of your uh, roles with the Baltics uh, Security Foundation and the, and the Jamestown Foundation. So I, I want to wish you very happy travels, and I will miss you in the time that you are not here, but I'm sure we will find a way to record one way or another. But uh, any last things you want to say to our listeners before you uh, head off to your uh, travels? Indeed, Joe. Thank you very much for all the good wishes. Uh, I hope to record our next episode as soon as possible. And let me wish everyone Vissalabu. Vissalabu, VCM.